0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles.
1: Thank you for joining us again this week. And uh, man, I'm excited about what we've been sharing over the last seven weeks with my son who has been guest with me on the program. And uh, my oldest son again is on set with me. This is my oldest son Jeremy, who is a pastor of Word That Frees, a great church in Winchester, Virginia. Uh, if you are in the northern Virginia, especially towards the west of northern Virginia, uh, Jeremy's Church's title, word that frees, there will be some information on the screen of contact information. They meet at a restaurant called Sweet Nola's on Sunday. And you owe it to yourself to go hear him preach. You've heard him for the last several weeks. And the revelation that's pouring from this young man is second to none. You want to really, I say young man, he's 41 now, but to me he's always my young son. But anyway, you want to go by and hear him preach. Uh, We're about to go back into the Word this morning. I don't want to take a long time uh, rehearsing some of the things that I usually say because I want to cover a lot of ground. But if you missed any of these programs, you can go back to our YouTube channel and you can go to our iTunes podcast. You can go to an RSS feed. All of that is on our website at lynnhouse.com, and you can go there, watch it for free, or listen to it for free, and it will bring you up to date on everything we have aired to date. Uh, That's all I'm going to say about that because I want to cover a lot of ground today. Hebrews 11 is uh, one of the great transitional chapters. Everything we've preached for the last months uh, it was pointing to the transition or the crossing over into a new covenant. The word Hebrews itself means, comes from a root word, which means the crossers over. But this time they're not crossing over out of a, uh, a, a physical promised land. They're crossing over out of a spiritual bondage into a spiritual promised land. And uh, everything that they're experiencing in Hebrews 10 is trying to get these Hebrews to go back to Judaism, back to animal sacrifice, back to circumcision, back to temple worship. And uh, they're suffering the spoiling of their goods. There's pressures from the Romans, there's pressures from the Sanhedrin and from the religious people. And it is upon that atmosphere and backdrop that the writer of Hebrews says, uh, we need to look away from the immediate circumstances and look at your heroes of faith. And everything that we've showed you this last eight weeks that has to do with faith was that these men did something in the visible realm that was a picture of the redemptive work of Christ. And man, we've covered a lot of ground. But today, uh, I want us to point again to these heroes of faith because he points to these heroes of faith and says, if you can see this, and you can see that the latter part of it talks about they suffered a great fight of affliction, and, but not to waver. Let me just read and then we'll try to unpack this. It says, uh, we're going to start in verse 23, Hebrews 11. It says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured to seeing him who was invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. I want to get this verse yet. It says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Now, I uh, I don't know if I got time to, to read all of this, but let me just unpack some of this a little bit. He's talking about Moses, and to me I see a great parallel again between Moses and Christ. Moses was they were, they were killing all the male children. When Jesus comes on to scene, Herod's killing all the male children. Uh, age, uh, or, or, or Moses is drawn out of the river Nile. Jesus is drawn out of the river Jordan. Uh, Moses leads them to across the Red Sea, and they get the law on Mount Sinai. Jesus comes up out of the waters of Jordan, and he spends 40 days in the wilderness. And when he comes up out of the wilderness, he spends 40 days instead of 40 nights. When he comes out by the wilderness, he don't give them the law, he gives them the Sermon on the Mount, which introduces the kingdom. There's such parallels between Moses and Christ. By faith Moses kept the Passover. We know that Christ is our Passover. Everything about this again pictures, uh, you know, the sprinkling of blood. I I want to say this as well, because there's a, a movement out there that's almost want to circumvent believing and receiving the work of Christ. But I'm telling you, this chapter screams about faith. And, you know, a, a lot of people, you could talk, the blood was shed, but the blood must be applied. You know, the scripture said, God said, you know, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. There's even some stuff out there that, well, the blood was never given for anything that God was requiring. Well, the scripture said, God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over mm-hmm. you. And so uh, God was looking for the blood, but the people applied the blood. And when you apply the blood, that's what brings you out of the bondage of Egypt. It's what brings you out of the bondage of legalism. It's what brings you out of the bondage of an old covenant paradigm. Uh, they kept that, uh, uh, you know, they kept the Passover. They applied the blood. By faith they crossed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell. What I want to go back and look at is this. Everything about this, and we've talked about this in prior segments, so I won't spend a long time introducing it. This wilderness journey is a picture of the 40-year transition period from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D. Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, this generation will not pass till all these things come to pass. And all of the stuff, including the destruction of the temple and the dismantling of the old covenant that they were crossing over out of, happened in A.D. 70. It's a 40-year transition. Everything that happened to them under Moses, 1 Corinthians 10 said, was an example for those people upon whom the end of the age had come. And so they were, you know, they saw under Moses a physical lamb. In the New Testament, Jesus is the lamb. They saw a rock smitten in the New Covenant. Jesus is the rock. Uh, You know, He followed them in the wilderness. That rock was Christ. They saw a fall in the backyard, but Jesus got a hold of that and He said, I am the true bread that came down from heaven. So everything about this is screaming a transition out of an Old Covenant paradigm into a New Covenant paradigm. But I want to get this part of it especially. It says, by faith, They pass through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. Now, what I want you to see is, number one, they're delivered by the blood in Egypt, the blood of a spotless lamb. You and I are delivered by the blood of a spotless lamb. Then they came out into the wilderness, blood bought, born again. And then he's going to take three to six million people into the Red Sea to baptize them in the sea. And the New Testament actually says they were baptized into Moses into the sea. So it speaks of water baptism. God was about to baptize three to six million people in water. So they're blood-bought, water-baptized. I believe those patterns are still relevant for us. Mm-hmm. You know, to make that transition at least in our thinking. Mm-hmm. they identifications with the covenant. They're the applying of something. But when they crossed over and they came out of the Red Sea... When they came up out of the Red Sea, it was exactly 50 days after they had left Egypt. Exactly 50 days after they left Egypt, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, and God came down on the mountain. He wanted to renew to them the covenant of Abraham, which operates by faith. But Galatians 3 says, The law was added because of a transgression. Now, it wasn't just Adam's transgression. The law was added because of a transgression. That transgression occurred when they came to the foot of Mount Sinai and God came down on the mountain because the only requirement of the Abrahamic covenant, God brought them out of Egypt based on His promise to Abraham. But the people, when God came down on the mountain, said, we're afraid of Him, Moses. You go talk to Him. And whatever he says to you, we will do it. At that point, God wanted to make a whole nation of priests out of them, Jeremy. Yep. I could see God excited. I'm going to be to them a God. They're going to be to me a people. I'm going to have a family. I'm going to make a whole nation of priests. They're going to be to the earth distributors of the kingdom. They're going to they're going to they're going to, they're going to, trans, they're going to export my covenant. Mm-hmm. And the people said, We're afraid of them. Faith stopped. They stopped believing God. And they, 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 they thought God was like Pharaoh. They thought if you walk in there and God, who's ever been seen God and lived? And they thought, well, God's going to kill them. But see, they, think they were, they, they misrepresented, they misunderstood God. And God said to the people, listen, if you don't want a personal relationship with me, and you're forfeiting this, what was called a grant covenant for a kinship covenant, which is a two-sided covenant, a grant covenant is one-sided. God said, I'm going to bless you. And, in other words, it's all based on the, the lesser being blessed of the greater. But a kinship covenant was two-sided. I'll do this if you do this. And the people entered into a covenant that God was not interested in. But He said, if you don't want a personal relationship with me, call Aaron and his sons up. They're going to be a priesthood. We're going to let them, they're going to be to me, and then they'll come and tell you what to do. And the moment the people forfeited a personal relationship with God for a mediator system, they had to have rules. Because if you don't have a relationship, you got to have rules. And the further people get away from a personal relationship with God, the more rules they have to have. So God gives them the law 50 days after they came out of of Egypt and they come to Mount Sinai. At 50 days God gives them the law and 3,000 people drop dead. Fast forward to the new covenant. Jesus is the true Lamb of God. He's slain. And then exactly 50 days after Jesus, who is the real Lamb of God, that was the pattern, Mm -hmm. now the substance. Jesus has been crucified, died, buried, and He's now raised. Exactly 50 days later, Jeremy, they're in an upper room, and God comes down again this time. This time He gives them the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So that the Holy Spirit is to the new covenant what the law was to the old covenant, and God restores our relationship and restores the covenant that operates by faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is about. And when He offers them that covenant, exactly 3,000 people are added to the church. Why is that? Because under the old covenant, the letter kills, 3,000 drop dead. In the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. It's added to the church. But the Holy Spirit begins to be the governor of the church when they come up out of the Red Sea. And, and then Peter grabs that and talks about the restoration of the priest to the believer. He said, you're a chosen generation talk about that first generation people. You're a, holy, you're, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And God restores back the priesthood of the believer to the personal relationship where we can live out a relationship with the Holy Spirit now, righteous law and our hearts. And this is a side note, but it's interesting that uh, in, when studying church history, 300 and some years after uh, this new covenant is birthed, they begin a hierarchical system again and a priesthood that denies the people personal access. And it takes until Luther comes on the scene to bring us back again to understanding the priesthood of the believer. But here's the main point that I want to get, and then I'm going to throw it over here to Jeremy. It says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. It was the moment they came up out of the Red Sea that God gave them the law. And this is to be one of the most powerful points of Hebrews 11 next verse says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed when she had received the spies. The moment they crossed the Red Sea, God gives them the law. Nothing makes it into the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11 here that happened by faith for the next 40 years. Nothing is mentioned that happened by faith. And I said, God, why did nothing make it into the Hall of Fame here, or Hall of Faith, that happened by faith? He took me to Galatians 3. He said, because when the law comes, it shuts up faith. For the law is not of faith. So the moment the law came, Jeremy, faith shut down. The more law we preach, the more people become unbelievers. It shuts up faith on so many levels. But the moment that God gave the law, faith shuts down, and it doesn't kick back in until, it says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. Now I was thinking about this, and I know I'm taking a long time to introduce this. If we have to, we'll shoot another segment. But by faith the walls of Jericho fell. So faith doesn't kick back in until they crossed over the Jordan, and now Moses is not the leader, Joshua is. Mm -hmm. Joshua's name, Yeshua, is the same name as Jesus. Moses brought you out with a rod, Joshua is going to bring you in with a mercy seat. He's a picture of Jesus. But they come to the other side, and they're at the walls of Jericho. Nothing has been mentioned by faith now for 40 years. There's no faith involved. It don't take faith to believe, you know, the works of the law. But they come to the walls of Jericho, and God said to Joshua, here's the strategy for taking Jericho. I want you to get three to six million people going in the same direction at the same time with their mouth shut. I said, Lord, why do you need them to have their mouth shut. And He took me to Romans 3, and He said, because the purpose of the law was so that every mouth would be stopped. So they'd shut up, and all the world would become guilty, where they don't have no more to say about their performance. I sometimes wonder if that's not connected to the book of Revelation where He said there was silence in heaven Mm -hmm. for about the space of half an hour because an old city was about to fall and a new city was about to be inherited in the book of Revelation. But by faith, what what happened was they shut up. And on the seventh day He said, when you hear a long loud blast from a ram's horn, then you can shout and God will give you the city. A ram's horn comes from the death of a male lamb. And the moment we hear a message through the finished work of the cross is the moment faith kicked back in and they begin to shout. I believe it's time for people to shout. They should have been shouting Mm -hmm. because the city was about to collapse and God was about to give birth to a new city, and they were about to take their possession. And faith would kick back in. And then it, it, it and I'll, I'll just leave the Rahab alone except to say about her, every bit of light that filtered into her house had to come through a scarlet collar cord. And she was also a Gentile. Yep. Who simply believed, and I think God points out the fact that she was a harlot so that people didn't think you got to be a glow in the dark saint to be able to endure the promise. All you got to do is believe. I'm gonna let you take it from there. I've talked too much.
0: I was thinking too, you know, when I'll, I'll take the the Rahab part, then okay. Uh, is she, uh, you know, because we talked last time about how you know Jacob, uh, leaning upon the top of his staff, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and we talked about you know that. It was for both Jesus. What Jesus was doing in his death was not just making it for the Jew, but also Jew and Gentile, make one new man. And uh, you talked about how there was nothing that happened from the time they crossed the Red Sea until they, they, they go to Jericho. And then that, the first person then, so you had Moses was the last person they, they named a faith. The next person is not even of Jewish lineage. It's, yep. it's, a, it's a Gentile named Rahab. And she's the first one right after all that forty-year period that's named as a person of faith. And uh, I got to thinking about you know if you look at the story of Rahab as well. She received the spies, and it said that when she received the two spies, uh, they, you know, the people of the city they were you know they knew that you know the children of Israel were coming. Their their hearts were defeated. She even tells them, "What has taken you guys so long?"
1: We our heard hearts, of you. Yeah. We've heard
0: of you, and our hearts have, have were already our hearts have melted inside of us, waiting for you guys to get here. And she said, uh, but it says that she hid the spies and then she lowered them down from the wall. Her house was on the wall. That's what the scripture says, her house was along the wall. They tell her, whenever they said, you know, you hang the, 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 the scarlet colored cord outside your window. When we come into the land, anyone that's in your house will be saved. You know, but as long as they're in your house, but anyone outside your house, we're, we're not responsible for it. Said that you know. Then when they bla- they, they they blasted on the ramps, when it said the walls fell. Well, if it, Joshua then tells them, you know, go into the, the 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 Harlot's house, bring out the woman. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about, if her house was on that wall, that meant when those walls fell, the only place that was left standing was Rahab's house. Yeah, you know, and so it wasn't hard for for them to know whose house to go into because it was the only one <laughs> that was still standing when the walls came. But you think about that, you know, even in the, when we look at the transition of this 40-year transition from uh, when Jesus said, uh, this generation will not pass to all these things, take place, and we're, we're looking at that, that parallel in the book of Hebrews, that what he's, you know, you look at that de- declaration then is that, again, we talked about the house of Cornelius, and, you know, they didn't, they didn't go through the Red Sea, you know, the house of Cornelius, they didn't go through the Red Sea, they didn't uh, you know, you look at it, Rahab didn't go to the Red Sea. She didn't go to Mount Sinai to receive the law. She hadn't been with him for 40 years. She hadn't seen, she, in other words, Rahab hadn't seen near the miracles that the children of Israel had. Yeah. Matter of fact, she didn't even see the miracles uh, that took place in Egypt when God began to bring the plagues upon the Egyptians and how he brought them out with a mighty hand. She hadn't seen, all, all she had done is heard the stories about it. But by faith, she, her, she she received into the promised land simply because she, she believed, hey, you guys are coming. I believe that, that you guys are here to inherit and everything your God says is going to come to pass. She receives it by faith and she gets it. Not only does she receive it, but she, in other words, she's not destroyed, but she also gets into the lineage of Jesus. I take, I fast forward. She that got to, it without all the process. Yeah, to, I take about, you know, I fast forward that to you take even just the house of Cornelius or even the Gentiles that were being saved from Paul's day is they hadn't they hadn't done I mean all the things that God did for the Jewish people had not been done for them matter of fact up until that time there was anonymity between him and God you know but yet they start hearing the gospel of Jesus and it was simply Jesus and him crucified he was the son of God who they crucified on a cross three days later he gets up that's the thing they believe they didn't see it I think that's even why Jesus tells uh uh uh, uh Thomas, he says, you know what, you've seen it, you've touched it, you believe, you're blessed, but blessed are those who have, and yeah. I don't think yeah. he's necessarily yeah. talking yeah. about putting the hands, yeah. you know, in the holes of his hands, I think he's talking about, you have, your people have seen the miracles, and yeah. you've seen all the things I've done for them, you, I mean, you were present as Jesus walked because his miracles, the miracles yep. of Jesus were for the Jewish people. He's walking he amongst was the them, bread. He was healing the, the sick, yeah. raising the dead. He's he's preaching the life. He's he knows their scriptures and preaching it. And they're you know they're not believing it, but yet here's the Gentiles who didn't hear Jesus, they never experienced Jesus, and yet they start hearing about how he's the Son of God, the Messiah. It's not even their Messiah, you know. And yep. it was the Jewish Messiah. It wasn't mm. even the Gentile Messiah. It wasn't their God. Up at that point, you look at the Roman times of the Romans. At that time, they believed in a lot different gods than the Jews did, you mm-hmm. know. But then they, but but somebody comes along, starts preaching Jesus, which should be foolishness to them. But they hear it, receive it in faith, and God delivers them and does something amazing with that. He begins to transform the whole world just by simply hearing. The gospel of, of grace, you mm-hmm. know, and, I, and that's exactly what he did with Rahab. Here's Rahab, didn't see all that stuff that took place in the, in the wilderness, didn't see the deliverance. She just heard the stories, had enough faith, to, even just in the stories, to believe, and that's what saved her household. There's something, again, I mean, it's like we've been talking, there's something about preaching the true gospel of Christ, there's something about preaching Jesus and Him crucified. What that really means, mm-hmm. we haven't preached the message of, exclu- of exclusion <coughs> rather than a message of inclusion that Jesus wants to bring us in yeah. that it's not about works but it's by faith it's not about you know laws but it's about love and and begin to really preach what Jesus has done i think the reason we're not seeing a breakthrough of real transformation in the world is because our message has not been one of the gospel it's been one of really unbelief yeah you know, and I know we, you know. We and preach I, law do we shut up faith. Is what exactly. We've done and you know. preached law until faith has been shut up and nobody has, has seen yep. the true miracles of God take place. But I think that this is a real transformation. I believe this time that we're living in, what we're beginning to declare, is really what brings a transformation into the world mm-hmm. because it begins to, to awaken faith in people. And see, the, th- the, the, the reason it's so hard is because it really is a real transition in your mind. Yes, it is. Because you have to really go, this isn't about me anymore. Yeah. This isn't about what I've done. It's not about my works. Matter of fact, it's not even, you know, the miracles that take place ain't even about you. It's really about allowing the Holy Spirit that's in you begin to operate and work in the earth. The transformation of our own lives is not because we did this. It's because the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. Jesus is working his way at through us and in us, and that's what begins, and that's a real transformation for those of us that sat under religion for so long. Again, that's why I say, you know, for me, when I see young people in our church, that's what excites me, and I want them to hear, I don't water it down, we don't, you know, dumb it down. We don't dumb it down. We preach this gospel to our young people just as much as we preach to our adults. And the thing is, our young people get it quicker than our adults because to them that goes, hey, you know what? That makes sense. I can get that. And then stuff starts happening with them because they ain't filtering it through religion. Yeah. They're not looking at it through, I can't do that and something ought to separate me from it because all they've heard is Jesus lives his life in you and he wants to live his life through you mm-hmm. you have the same power the same power that raised christ from the dead dwells in you our young people get a hold of that and go okay then i'll start raising people from the dead i'll start doing some amazing things because that same spirit i have no other places of belief other than jesus living in me jesus lives in me that's what's going to take place and we stop preaching law we stop preaching sin to him start preaching the righteousness of god in christ and what's happening is our young people are getting powerful and they're they're going yep. they're, they're going further than our older people are. yeah yeah and, and the thing is for me i like i said my young people i'd rather them go further than me i'd rather them get a hold of this and take it because like i said it might be the thing that my preaching to them is the very thing that comes back to bless me because i'm preaching it to a generation that gets a hold of it we one of the fears of pastors these days is preaching this grace message they're afraid to they give people a license of sin i'm telling you preach this to your young people Yep, preach it to your young people so. because they will get a hold of this and it might be your very salvation. Yep. It won't be the thing that runs them off because here's the thing, we've I mean, this is this is this has worked in our churches. Not just ours, but you you've seen it in our, in our in our my aunt's church and different ones that in preaching this gospel. When before we, did, we used to preach the law, we used to preach all that other stuff. Our we they get teenage years, about 18 go off to college, and then they'd leave the church and you wouldn't see them till they're in their 30s. We're seeing now in preaching this gospel, the generations aren't leaving the church. Yeah, they're not going off to college and, 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 and sowing their wild oats and doing all the things. They're staying in the house of God, and they're more excited about the house of God at those ages than they were even when they were younger or older. And so, what we're finding is this preaching of gospel doesn't run people off from the house of God, nor give them a life of sin. What it does is begin to empower them to say, even even mess up, the house of God's still the place I need to be. Yep. And God ain't mad at me and I can come to him with full assurance of faith and still allow him to change me. And we're seeing generation after generation not leaving the house of God but staying there. Yep. And amazing things are happening. Their hearts are more connected to it. Their money's getting connected to it. This is the thing that's going to change. This is the revolution that's taking place. It's pre- I'm telling you, the preaching of the gospel sounds like foolishness even amongst religious yep. people. Well, if we begin to preach this gospel, I'm telling you, it's the, th- the things that we're looking for begins to manifest. Yep. We have a Rahab who, do- who gets a hold of this without ever having to, 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 to go through all the crap.
1: Yep. She just believes. She
0: just believes, and her house is saved. We want our houses to be saved, begin to preach the gospel and watch faith mix with it.
1: Absolutely. Faith have come on the scene, and we've got to close somewhere, but it says, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me, which I'm, <laughs> we're at, time would fail me to tell a Gideon and Barak, and of Samson of Jephthah. Of David and also Samuel the prophets. That'd be six more programs because all of them picture the redemptive yeah. work of Christ. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging, yet moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And they wandered in deserts and mountains and de- caves and dens of the rock. All these having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect." They were pointing to their heroes of faith saying, don't miss what these guys did. But God would make this statement about them. He'd say, these are people of whom the world is not worthy. You might be being persecuted for preaching the gospel, but God would testify of you, these are men of whom the world is not worthy. I trust that you've enjoyed this Hebrews 11 study. If you want to take a moment to call that number on the screen and give an offering to help us into the ministry, there's also, you can go to our website and do it via credit card or debit card. But uh, we thank you for joining us. Stand firm in the faith, preach the gospel. It really is the power of God unto salvation. God bless you for joining us. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist
0: and of Jesus was to repent for the Kingdom of God is at hand. The Kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future, it is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.